Week of Halloween, brought to you by Shudder. Tonight, a special presentation of Night Drift with Jim Perry. Subscribe to its new feed now, wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Jim Perry. Welcome to Euphemet's Week of Halloween, where we'll be releasing multiple shows on both the new Night Drift feed, as well as Euphemet's, all leading up to Halloween and a brand new edition of Euphemet on Friday. Thanks to you, what started as a bonus series of Euphemet, Night Drift, has become its very own show and can now be found wherever you listen to podcasts. After this week, you'll need to subscribe to the Night Drift feed to continue catching new episodes. But tonight, I'm joined by co-host Darcy Staniforth for a conversation with ghost investigators Shane McClellan and Lori Gum as we explore a queer paradigm in ghost investigation the importance of revealing more context in the stories of our haunted, as well as some of the strangest things Shane and Lori have experienced while out in the field. Recorded in front of a live Patreon audience, that's all right now on this edition of Night Drift during Euphemet's Week of Halloween. Shane McClellan is an attorney, author, and creator. He spends his time thinking of big adventures and investigating the strange for his podcast, The Q-Files. He resides in the historic German village neighborhood of Columbus, Ohio, with his boyfriend, two dogs, and at least one paranormal entity. So first off, let's just get right into that. Let's, let's have you describe a little bit about this paranormal entity that lives with you. Yeah. So um, it kind of goes back to like my childhood. There was always kind of creepy stuff around. Um, but after I kind of moved out and um, started having like my my first places by myself, right? Sure. It seemed like something that was familiar kept showing up, making itself known. And um, I kind of got the idea that I think something kind of just follows me around living with me, even though I've I've actually taken deliberate steps to say, Hey, you can stay here. Um, You don't have to come with me. Um, But this one uh, at this particular house, it was kind of um, a little more aggressive at first. It liked to um, not like in a frightening way necessarily, Mm. but it liked to move things. Mm. And so like you would have something go missing and it it could be anything, Um, you know, a belt or a pan or, you know, a little a pen or something. And then it'll show back up a few days later, a week later. But it's in, like, the middle of the floor. <laughs> so you know you know, you didn't, like, just ignore it for a week. Right, right, right. It's, it just yeah. went somewhere. So um, that's how I, I started just saying I just, I just live with a paranormal entity. Yeah. Um, well, but what kind of dogs do you live with is what I would like to know. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. So Harvey is a, a little black um, terrier mix, and then Georgia is a golden retriever. Fantastic. <laughs> and what is, what does your partner believe uh, about, or what what does he feel about your work within the paranormal? Yeah. Um, so it's I don't know. It's kind of weird. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but like you like with your friends and stuff or like your family, they all 
all kind of know that like it's something you're interested in or you always have been interested in and it's just like the weird thing about you but when you like start dating someone it's like oh hey um if you google me um it's all just weird stuff (laughs) right right right. um so he uh doesn't necessarily uh enjoy participating in any of those um adventures or really discussing it too much but he has kind of come around where he's like hey you know could you like cleanse the house or whatever it feels a little weird in here and just like clean up the energy or something yeah so i mean i think he's slowly getting there but it's it's a very slow process well shane i don't want to project but just wait until he finds out he has some sort of underlying psychic ability that you've unlocked (laughs) Or right. That's, yeah. Or, you know, because that's exactly what happened. I, I don't know if I've ever talked about this publicly, but with my wife, that is essentially sort of what happened. You know, when I started into this, there was like sort of a, sort of like a um, suspicious quality to like our exchanges about it. But she was, she was sort of curious, but wasn't quite sure if I had kind of like, you know, if I was all right. And then yeah. the more and more, like she became comfortable with this, like sort of atmosphere that I was providing with just the constant ramblings about these topics and then seeing me actually go and be out in the field and explore these things and make it sort of a weird career you know that's when her own family lineage started to be introduced into this and her family became engaged with it and then you know all of a sudden it's sort of like she's having you know she's always had uh premonitions in the form of dreams and she has this strange psychic ability with me and her other loved ones and her friends that engage lines of synchronicities. And so at this point in time, wouldn't surprise me if, you know, I'm not the only one that has seen this, that like there's some sort of relationship between our partners and the psychical connection that we may inherit or what do you no, think? No, I, I, I absolutely believe that. I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's this idea that you kind of like either like attracts like or opposites attract, right? So you kind of end up finding someone who either is, um, you know, like is able to work with your skills or someone who is enhancing your skills and you're enhancing theirs, right? But why wouldn't that work with these kind of underlying unique psychical abilities or um, even just something like uh, mutually shared curiosities or something? Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely think that's possible. Yeah. I had the same thing happen because <laughs> my, my husband was like, yeah, I believe in go- like ghosts and, you know, th- like things like that, but getting more back into paranormal research and things like that. And then he's like, oh, you know, like a thing haunted our house when I was a child. And I was like, no, like what? Like, where was this story like a few years ago? So I totally get that. Like where all of a sudden it's like, no oh no this is going to be going on for a while okay so here's a thing about me and then you're like what and then starting to tell me like oh i've seen like shadow people go by our (laughs) house and i'm like oh cool 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 so mm -hmm, i don't like i find that happens with a, a lot of folks really like you kind of you share this weird part about you or this like weird hobby of yours and then suddenly they're like okay it's a safe space to come out and tell you that hey, I've seen ghosts or I lived in a haunted house or whatever it is, you know, I, I really want to go Bigfoot hunting or what, you know, like whatever that, that strange desire is of theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's so much judgment wrapped up into people's experiences with this stuff and the ability to, you know, see that sort of crystalline within your most important relationships, right? It's like you have to be like sort of do that song and dance of like, 
well, I don't want my wife, I don't want my boyfriend, I don't want my husband to think I am nuts by telling them that, oh yeah, I also believe in this really weird thing that you believe in. (laughs) Right, absolutely. So yeah, um, I'm interested to to know if you discovering that you had a paranormal entity around you, sort of following you, if that coincided with you know, sort of this realization that the strange and the unknown was going to be a big part of your life? Or did that happen much earlier? When did you first discover that this was going to be so big for you? Oh, gosh. Um, You know, I don't really know. So it's always been something I was interested in, but also something that I was experiencing. Um, So that, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand. And then, you know, like as we got older, or as I got older, um, you know, it started becoming less like late night history channel, um, weird like stories. And then there was like ghost hunters on like, what was it? Sci-fi or whatever, but at, like Fridays at 10 PM or something. And then it was like cool to kind of explore that and keep doing it. And it really wasn't, I mean, like I was interested in that and, and would pick up random books and read about it or whatever, but it wasn't until really I met Lori, um, my co-host on, on the, the Q files that, uh, we had this opportunity to do an investigation and go with people who knew what they were doing. And it was, I mean, that is like the singular moment that it became like, you're a person who is interested in paranormal subjects. And then it switched to like, you're a paranormal person type thing. Like that's right. It, it, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And how did that look like those first exchanges? Take us back to how you folks met. And how those conversations evolved in that direction. Because even that, I don't know if it was maybe a workplace uh, environment, you know, those conversations are interesting as well in how you uh, develop uh, these same interests and then actually go about the, you know, adventure together. So, <laughs> um, Lori and I are a little bit of like kindred spirits. Um, but our our first real interactions um, were based around the marriage equality case with um, like Obergefell v. Hodges. Um, we wanted to find a, a plaintiff and um, to like to to bring the marriage equality case. So my law, my former law partner and I, um, we were working with Lori, and Lori was like, "I'll find us someone." And so we're doing all of that, um, and then Lori <laughs> gets the idea to do um, some hoodoo. And mm. so we do this whole hoodoo spell and, you know, one thing leads to another. And I think it was, I don't know, 18 months later, marriage equality is like, you know, the law of the land. And Lori and I have a, you know, a, a shared mutual interest and in not only the law, but also clearly like weird things that you're probably not going to talk about with too many other people. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, from there, um, I don't, I mean, we probably didn't talk too much after that. Um, but I started working, um, at Stonewall Columbus where she was working and that was the LGBTQ community center. And, um, you know, like I said, she had, she had the opportunity to go on this, um, uh, paranormal investigation, this ghost hunt. And she brought it up just kind of in passing. And I was immediately like, can I go? Like, are you allowed to take someone else? Right. And, um, you know, I mean, it, it worked out and that really like just solidified this, like, Hey, there's someone I know in real life. Um, that is like normal by all accounts who I can have these weird conversations with. And it ended up turning into these like long car rides to, um, 
you know, the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, and you've been in the car with someone for six hours, and we've talked about everything, you know, any kind of like, I don't know, just weird life question of the universe, and we've yeah. thoroughly discussed it. And that's really how we um, kind of came up with our, our, our theories of investigating and how um, our YouTube series, Queer Ghost Hunters, was, was born just just in in car rides and um kind of you know just happenstance really serendipity could you describe a little bit about queer ghost hunters the intent behind that uh what you folks had explored and just give us a peek behind the curtain of the origin of that series yeah so um we had been on several i don't even know how many um uh, investigations and our group that we were investigating with these these folks who were kind enough to like take us under their wing and and um, show us the ropes of like how to do this in like a um, a professional way as professional as you can be right sure um, and so it's a it's a mixed group of folks and so there's and, and by that I mean there's like straight people and and, and queer people um, but we realized that even though there's these queer people and the group is super like with it and not like you have to hide that you're gay or something. Um, no one's ever asking these entities if we're making contact, if they might be, um, you know, lesbian or gay or trans. Um, and we were like, well, we should do that. So we started doing it. And, um, it turns out there was a lot of people really, really interested in the idea of queer people investigating queer ghosts. And, you know, so we ended up getting uh, set up with, a a production company to create this series, but the underlying intent behind it was to tell these stories that just hadn't been told before. And, um, you know, there's, we, we, a a lot of investigations take place in, you know, something like a a prison or an asylum and, or, you know, theaters. And there's all, it's all of these places where they either, you know, LGBTQ people existed in, you know, in like theaters, probably more openly, more comfortably or places like prison or asylums, where they were institutionalized because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. Mm -hmm. And um, we kind of gloss over those, those stories. Like that's not what you hear about when you hear someone is investigating the Ohio state reformatory in Mansfield. Like that's never the story, but honestly, there's a whole, you know, cell block. Well, not cell block, a whole part of the cell block devoted to gay men and, and and trans men. And it's, it's no one tells, anyone else that we walked in and they were like, you guys might be interested in this piece of history that I never tell anyone. I mean, that's, what's crazy about it too, right? I mean, you watch any of these programs and and we know like sort of the inner machinations of these. So I won't harp on that fact, but even, um, you know, sort of researching for books or other investigations, there is a, there is a system in place to investigate the historical significance and touch points. So uh, to sort of like glean better insight on the spirits that may exist there, who they really could have been. So you try to get close to that as possible. And you're right, that isn't talked about at all. I've never seen that in a travel channel series. <laughs> right. No, I mean, and that's, that's, I guess that's like part of what we, we kind of tried to create as a, for our group um, was this idea of a kinder, kinder gentler approach, um, being respectful, creating this idea of kind of safety, really. Um, and we tried to think about it as if these entities, whatever they are, um, were just people that, you know, we're, we're walking into their home, you need to be respectful and kind of approach it um, in, in a way that recognizes the fact that what you're doing is strange to them. 
Um, and, and I, I think that's, I don't know. It, it was about, it was really just about creating a, a, a safer, kinder, more respectful, um, way to investigate, to hopefully create better results. Right. Yeah. I have to say that's one of the things that I really like about listening to, um, the group's, uh, investigations and how you all start out with, you know, we come here with good intentions. We're not, you know, we're not here to harm you. And, and I, that really struck me the first time I heard it because it is not, as Jim was saying, the norm for a lot of investigators, <laughs> especially when we're seeing them in a more, uh, you know, public way. Right. And I think too, touching upon, you know, the places where you do go to investigate, it also ties into the larger, you know, a town or an area might be like happy that in some way they have this folklore around a haunted place or a place that is known to have these stories because it draws people there. But they're still very careful in controlling what that history looks like to the right. larger population. And so Absolutely. that is, that's why we don't see as many stories about people of color, LGBTQIA plus in history, these kinds of things because of the fact that people are still concerned yeah. about the, the, you know, the larger cultural context for what their culture is. It doesn't mean that it's not part of everyone else's culture, but the idea of this inclusivity only seems to go so far when we're talking about this history. So it's like, you might go into an asylum or a sanatorium and it's like, Oh, we know that these are really outdated ways, but to your point, Shane, nobody is mentioning. Also what we find outdated is that people were uh, institutionalized for their uh, gender expression or their sexual identity. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, it's always been kind of fascinating to, to our whole group. It, you know, you, you have people investigating something like Gettysburg, but it's always just, we're looking for soldiers and there's never any, any conversation about kind of like the context that Gettysburg was occurring in or like the, um, the, the, the variety of soldiers, like they weren't just a bunch of like white guys fighting there. Like, there was a, there was a variety of people, including, um, you know, women who were who were making themselves appear to be men so they could fight. And I don't want to say that they are trans or that they were, you know, lesbians or something. But if I were going to tell that part of the story, I think those are the people I'd probably be looking at. You know, what did they do before the war, after the war? And those are stories that just get glossed over because I guess it's not interesting to a vast majority of people. But I think those are the stories that are the most interesting because we've already heard all the other stories a hundred times. Yes. <laughs> We actually, in a cemetery not very far from my house, we have uh, one of the women who dressed and presented as male to fight in the Civil War is buried in the cemetery. Wow. Oh, wow. And it's like a, it, it's a little known fact, but I did a cemetery tour there and was just like, well, that's fascinating. Right. Yeah. Where's, why, why are you burying the lead? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> right. Well, that's what's so fascinating about this too, Shane, is that the amount of stories that we have heard a thousand times that have unexplored paradigms like this. Right. I mean, so for example, you know, you go to a lot of historically 
notorious haunted locations, places like the Hinsdale House, which I'd like to speak to you about. But this entire paradigm of connecting folks that are queer in these spaces, it not being consideration, adds a whole new level of work, seemingly, to you and Lori's plate. (laughs) And quite frankly, uh, many other ghost hunters and ghost investigators worth their salt in really going in with an integrated approach to what is the humanity here and what is the greater context, both socially and, and, and contextually, that uh, really paints a m- much more humanistic picture of uh, those people in time. So, you know, what would your response to something like that be? Do you feel now sort of a, I don't know, like a weird responsibility or something uh, to continue making that a guiding light of exploring these other notorious haunted places in that way? Yeah. So, I mean, simply yes. Um, but also it, it kind of, it didn't become like our, like a thing that we were doing. It was how we wanted to do it. Right. Um, yeah. So it, it was, you know, these, these are, this is like the, the way we, we wanted to tell these stories. And it, you know, part of it was the idea that you could educate people about these unknown stories, this, this uncomfortable history in a way that's entertaining and that they're familiar with, as long as you s- stick a little bit to the kind of known script of how this works, you can, you know, lead people down a path and then blow their mind. Yeah. And I think that's, it, it, I think that's something that Lori is really good at when she's scripting. Um, specifically like with digging up the dead, um, you know, we're talking about just these like classical exhumations and vampires and everything. And then, all the commentary that we got back was people were like, you made me cry. And it was like, yeah, because the history is that devastating. Like that's exactly how you should have felt. (laughs) Yeah. It's um, a lot of this is really uncomfortable once we start veering away from whatever that common narrative is. Right. 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 And uh, that's also the humanity in all of it. And that's what I really connected with the Q files. And I'd love to learn more about how you folks really decided to move, or not move, but essentially take what you were doing with queer ghost hunters and then really create this beautiful and raw and, and honest and, and slightly frightening uh, version of a podcast called The Q Files. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, it, it's, it's just, I don't even know. Um, it's one of those things where it, it seemed like a good idea at the time. We were kind of wrapping up with Queer Ghost Hunters. Um, and like that was kind of going into the distance. And it was like, we're not really done with this. I want to tell more stories. I want to find new stuff. Right. And then there was this whole like, how, how would I do that? And obviously, I wasn't just going to be like, let's do Queer Ghost Hunters, the podcast. And because that just seemed boring, but it was also really limiting in terms of what we could talk about. And there's a there's there's other stories that we're capable of telling and able to tell that haven't been told, and we we wanted to explore those. Um, and I don't know, we, we we sat down and kind of hashed out a game plan. I told Lori that she had to listen to Euphemat because I was like, <laughs> that's the kind of thing I want to do. Um, and. <laughs> But I mean, I told I mean, you know, I'm a, a huge fan and I, I've told you that before, but it was just like, you know, like that is the, I don't, I don't want another show where we're just talking about the haunting of Hinsdale house. And I'm just telling someone that story again. Yeah. And it's like, let's just 
do something different and see how it, how it'll work. And I think, you know, we've only done one season so far and season two is probably going to be totally different than the first season, but you can like see how we were trying different things as we were, we were working through the, the episodes. Um, so I, I think it's just, uh, it, it's kind of like replicating our dynamic with each other in, in the things that we're interested in and trying to make something that is hopefully powerful enough to influence people. Yeah. Well, I, I was really struck by the very first episode of the season. I was telling Jim before um, y'all came on, like just the conversation between you and Lori about why is Halloween so queer was such a beautiful conversation. And I think there's a lot of power in your individual experiences, but also like the different generational um, experiences as well, because like, you know, there, some of those things, like I had known about Lori was bringing up the idea of the mask and what that represented, but just to hear that rawness and going back to what Jim was saying, that humanity And it just put it in this very different context. And I think it's just such like, because neither one of you in that episode are trying to be like, and now here's our history lesson on queer (laughs) Halloween, everyone enjoy. Right, right. But you're just having this beautiful conversation. And I think for people who are allies or who are outside the community or even people in the community who went to their first, you know, Santa Monica Halloween or they're in New York or the Castro or, or wherever their first like gay queer Halloween was for them and their participation in it, they don't necessarily understand. It's like, Oh, I'm going to a big party and Oh my gosh, look at that. And Oh my gosh, look at this. But to hear that, like for Lori to be sharing that rawness was really beautiful. And it was it that the intimacy that you capture and having those conversations, but because you're both so comfortable with one another is, is really powerful. And also at the same time, like I consider it like it's a little bit of a mini oral history because you're kind of filling in this little silence about what this was to this part of the community. And I think it's really powerful. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, I, I don't think a lot of people know that history at all in general, um, I'm not really sure how I knew it or how Lori knew it, but maybe it's just one of those things when you're part of the LGBT community, it just like seeps into you. Um, but it was like something that we knew innately and then, you know, just like sat down to, to discuss and we, I don't know, it, it just seemed like, like you said, it was, it was a very just real and raw conversation because it's literally was, it was just us talking and then you kind of like splice out some dead, dead air or like awkward laughter and that's it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, or you're like me when I'm really tired and trying to add a euphemet, and then just just stuff stays in sometimes. It probably <laughs> shouldn't. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. And, you know, I also want to invo- invite Lori into the conversation if you'd like. No pressure at all. But I see that you're on a porch right now, and I'm wondering if that is the porch that played such an important role seemingly in this first, in this first season of The Q Files. Yeah, this is the porch. This is the porch. I, I spend most of my life on this porch and uh, all of our conversation. Uh, I let my backyard grow wild so it 
it's it's dark out here with trains and bugs and um it's very fitting for most of our conversations so yes yes it is so i thought i'd join you tonight from the porch so yeah well i appreciate it because i feel like listening to those episodes that have taken place on that porch porch i feel like i've been there already and oh, that's great. I appreciate all the stuff you, you folks leave in. I appreciate hearing the cigarette lighter. And, and, <laughs> and, and I, can almost, I can almost feel the smoke in my lungs and standing there and, and having spent time in Ohio, you know, feeling probably pretty uncomfortable with how much humidity is going on. And uh, <laughs> that's why the hat's on tonight. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, you know, let, let's, uh, I, I'd love to ask you a little bit about you know, the, the type of stories that you are featuring on your show right now and going into some that also bring up a lot of, uh, listen, I think a lot of folks right now are staying away from religious topics within the paranormal at, in some degree. And I was talking to Darcy before the show about this. There was an interesting intro, reintroduction into things like stigmata even. And I felt that was fascinating and so on the nose for what needed to be sort of like talked about right now in our cultural environment. How did something like that, a topic, come to mind, firstly? And then can you talk a little bit about the mystery of five wounds and what that is and means? Shane, go right ahead. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he was asking you that question. Okay. Um, But anyway... um, no, I mean that, that was it was truthfully it was, it was Lori's idea to to do stigmata, um, and you can jump in whenever you want, Lori. Um, but uh, you know, she, I, I believe we talked about it in the episode, but she had been fascinated by that since she was a kid. And I mean, who isn't honestly a little bit curious about stigmata, right? right? Yeah, right. Um, like it's just it's weird. No one like you, everyone knows what it is, but you've never really learned about it. Um, and I don't know. We we she wanted to do it. We were like, it'd be kind of fun to do that around Easter, and just. I don't know, just just went with it. Lord. Yeah, I, I, I first came into my notion of stigmata in my early 20s. I was living in Brooklyn, and I'm not sure why. I've always had a fascination with churches and architecture and all that. So on my birthday every year, I would make it a point to go visit a different church. And, and in New York City, there's all kinds. So I went to a church in um, uh, 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 Brooklyn, and outside of the church was a statue of St. Lucy. Now, what makes the statue of St. Lucy interesting is that she was holding a bowl with her eyeballs in it. Oh, wow. Because Ooh. her eyes were purged out. Yeah. So wow. I saw this. And so I went down the rabbit hole of finding out about St. Lucy. And somehow it led to stigmata. And I just couldn't believe that something like stigmata actually happened. So I, I've, you know, collected relics, I've collected pictures, I've, I've collected all of this over the years. And I think it's just, it's a fascinating phenomenon. It's a fascinating bridge between our human selves and, and you know, our beliefs and, and sort of the cosmos and how we manifest that. And, um, you know, even for someone to fake it, you know, to, to, to put acid or holes in your own hand... Mm. Uh, so as we did in the episode, whether it was truly divinely created or self created is equally fascinating. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Is it ever, 
Shane, can you describe a little bit about one of the more surprising stories that you found regarding stigmata when you were investigating that topic? Oh my gosh, I don't even know. Um, and that's a good question. I just can't think of uh, the the woman from Ohio. Um, I can't think of her name. Um, but I mean, first off, it was it was just fascinating to see that there's this, this woman who's beatified in Ohio. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, she is in Ohio still. But, um, you know, just the idea of all of that happening kind of so close to home. Our original intent was to actually go to the little museum um, to, to, to kind of see it. But also th- they have the chair that Jesus sat in and we wanted to, to see the chair. And, um, <laughs> wait a minute, and, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> can you, what, what is that? The, the chair that Jesus said in is in Ohio. Well, I'm pr- presumably he sat in many chairs, but one of the chairs he sat in is in, um, in, in this museum, um, when he, I wish I could think of her name. Oh my gosh. Rhoda um, Wise. Rhoda Wise. Thank you. I knew it was yeah. something kind of different. Um, I remember Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda. That's the only reason I remember. It. <laughs> that <was very> nice. <laughs> but um, so when Jesus, you know, visited Rhoda, um, the the one time he sat in the chair next to her bed, and um, I, I don't know, I I just you know just that still exists, and it's it's just fascinating. I think a lot of what we kind of end up doing is is telling stories or um, doing things that we're interested in. And kind of just sharing that. <laughs> sure. Because, I mean, you, you know, you're going to, we're going to drive up to Akron, which is, I mean, it's only like two hours away or whatever, and go look at this Jesus chair and tell the story about Rhoda Wise. But like, otherwise, it would just be a story that we experienced together rather than kind of being like, isn't this weird? Everyone should enjoy it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and one of the things like Jim and I were talking about is that, you know, in the past, number of years, I think that people have kind of moved, like certain folks have moved away from religious topics because they're afraid of problematic elements and, um, you know, creating these binaries of like, you know, heavenly and demonic and, you know, angelic and, and devilish and these things. But to your point, like that in itself, outside of the religious context, is just a fascinating idea that this person's belief, this person's experience, and like this is the chair, like because this woman is like, this is the chair that Jesus sat in. Right. It's in this museum, right? <laughs> and that's her story, and that is her experience. And you're not going there to be like, you know, trashing that or pulling that apart. And I think that that kind of gent, as you were saying, Shane, that gentler approach is just such a really important thing in going in. And it's one of the things I also appreciate about Euphemet as well is it's not there to like, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to pull you apart. But what I'm here is to hear your story and your experience. Because ultimately, right, we all want to be seen and we want to be heard. And we want to know that our stories matter. And so when you step into that space, and I think it's also very interesting in the sense of, um, you know, on the, the Q files end, on the queer end, because so many people have been excluded from those spaces of faith within the LGBTQIA plus community and told this isn't for you. And so to be able to, I think, experience just those things in a beautiful way and say like, hey, 
I'm coming in to see where you're at. Like, I think it's also a way to, it sounds like corny, but like build some bridges because I think that people think that they have to, you know, experience each other very mutually exclusively. And they forget that many people in all of those communities, um, come from backgrounds of faith and that when they're excluded from those backgrounds of faith or those faith communities, it's not necessarily like good riddance, see you later, but it's a deep grieving and it can be a, a real loss for a lot of folks. Yeah. No, and I, I, and I think something that we forget about is, is often sometimes our first, you know, knowledge or or even hearing about the paranormal has been our religious teaching when we were children what's more paranormal than the bible Mm -hmm. so you know and i will tell you honestly i you know just like shane grew up with ghosts in the house and this and that but when i really sort of just completely opened myself to sort of the cosmic paranormal was through really jewish mysticism Mm -hmm. and you know so I don't think we see religion or worrying about it in any way in presenting it because it seems a very common denominator for people to understand. Um, and we've, we've said this on several episodes, you know, what's, what's more paranormal than an angel coming down or a burning bush or, or, you know, all this, it, it is, it is a paranormal epic novel. You know, that's really what, and you know, that's for all the, you know, the Abrahamic religions. So it's, you know, Muslim, yeah. Jewish, um, so we've all had a basis in, in paranormal just because of Sunday school. Yeah. Right. Well, guess what? I mean, you know, this is a, a little personal antidote. You know, my grandfather on my father's side was a Pentecostal preacher. And I remember clearly going into his church and watching dozens of people speak in tongues. And mm. when I would be sick, I would be on the couch and my grandpa would come over and he'd lay healing hands on me. With oh, the wow. power of with the power of the Holy Ghost and and all of this, like he was he was uh, he believed that he was really had some healing ability. And as much as I, in my teenage years and in my twenties, felt very alienated from that sort of behavior and felt uh, very distant from anything Christian, you know, now at the end of the day, coming on the other side of Chapel Perilous and being greeted with the sort of the deep unknown of it all. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've gotten so much more closer to my grandfather than ever before. And within that is the removal of separation, right? That is including qualities into these conversations and relationships with the ones that we deeply love and the ones we deeply don't understand. Mm. And then really is sort of bridging the gap. And that's always what I felt about the paranormal and its ability to, through the anomalous, connect us to one another. And I think there's a lot of really great examples for that being able to happen without judgment and without pushing any sort of agenda. And guess what? When we see agendas within the paranormals pushed, that's when we see people fighting back, when we see discourse, when we see hashtag paranormal, whatever it is, Twitter, right? And, and the, the, the battling that occurs on that front. But when it is approached through a humanistic way and through a, a gentler way, right? Yeah, that opens up a lot of dialogue, I think, for people, for a lot of like real human shit. I know. I mean, that's, that's, it's really the only way that uh, we're going to be able to kind of move forward 
as um, a society is to really just kind of um, reach each other on a basic human level and without all of the um, presumptions and outside influences that everyone has built around them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Uh, let's, uh, let's cover another topic that was really fascinating to me, and it's something I've never heard of before, and that's the Austin Dam Mystery Man. <laughs> Can you explain who this is, what it was, and, and the context around this? Yeah, so um, last year, about, about this time, um, we went on a um, little excursion to uh, New York to see the Hinsdale House. But as part of that, we also stopped at Lilydale because it's right near there. And then on the way back, instead of going kind of uh, north by Lake Erie, I went, went south a little. And there's this little, little town called Austin. And their dam collapsed. <laughs> and like, that's like, oh gosh, you know, that happened all the time before we had like laws. Um, but, <laughs> but the real like interesting story about it is, and you know, it, I hadn't heard of it. Um, Ken Summers who wrote like queer hauntings reached out and mentioned it to me like, Hey, you're going to be in the area. You should check this out. Is that like before this dam collapse, there was this mis- mystery man, like literally a mystery man. And they don't, they don't know who he was, what he was. It was like the man in black kind of thing. Um, he shows up, he scares a bunch of people at the rail yard. Um, which is only like, it was like a half mile or a mile from the dam. Mm. Um, but it's all like in a, a straight line because it was, it was like a, um, it was like a factory assembly line for a production mm. that in, that used, you know, the, the river and the dam, um, to get this, um, pulp, the wood pulp, mm. um, out of this little valley. Um, uh, anyway, so this guy shows up and then the dam starts having all of these issues and eventually collapses. And, you know, it's like the big headline is that this, this, um, I, I'm like specter causes dam collapse or something, but that was it. It was like 1911 or ni- whatever. I have the date over there. Um, cause I have like all these books on it now because sure. I don't know, like, why wouldn't I? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and anyway, but like no one really ever talks about it. So I was like, oh, I want to go see this. And you know, it's really cool. It, it's actually, it's like beautiful destruction kind of thing. Um, cause there's a lot of, a lot of pieces of it left, huge pieces. Mm. And, um, it's in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. And, you know, I, I got there and I pulled up and there were, there were these two guys there and, you know, it's like, I came all this way. I might as well like talk to them, see what they're about. I know they're going to think I'm freaking weird. And it turns <laughs> out that was not true. Um, they had a lot to say. And, um, I don't know, they, and they, like, speaking of, you know, reaching people, you know, kind of in a different way, they, they were as different from me as you could possibly, possibly be, um, like definitely voted for Trump, will do it again, believe in QAnon and, you know, just like name a conspiracy sure. theory. They knew about it. They believe right. in it. Right. They are fighting against it, um, <laughs> or fighting for it. I don't know. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. It's different. <laughs> But um, I don't know. I I talked to them for like five or six hours and it was just amazing and so much fun. And like we we sat at the little shelter house for a while and then we walked through the ruins and they explained it. And then we went like further back into it's, I mean, it's woods now, but it's where they used to have like buildings and stuff. And they were showing me like the different pieces that remain of like the the dam that are just sitting back there and just explaining it. 
And, um, you know, they've stayed in touch. They sent me like photos from the different season changes at the dam. And <laughs> so cool. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It, it, it's finding, it's finding people who, you know, if we met on the, on the street, we probably, you know, wouldn't say hi or whatever, but we found an immediate common interest. And, um, it just really turned into a, a fascinating experience that was mostly initially me trying to not die. Cause I thought like, <laughs> this, like if, if you ever go and I don't, I think you should because it's interesting, but there's not really anything else around to like do. Um, But um, you you will immediately recognize that you could seriously bury like a thousand bodies in the woods and no one would notice because there's still plenty of room left. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We're glad you made it out, Shane. We're glad you made it out. (laughs) But I think that's a really good point, right? Because here's this commonality, right? Because you're going to this way out of the way place for a very specific reason. And here are your two local tour guides who will now walk you through all of this. Right. And that is the magic of not trying, you know, because in the midst, like this is a miracle that we can all be in all different coasts and all different areas and (laughs) chatting. Right. But at the same time, you know, when you're away from social media, when you're away from the divisiveness or the your side versus my side or whatever whatever belief system people are on and belief system can be a lot of things like i would have loved if you had been like you love QAnon. i have a thing that starts with q but it's a little different and then just like (laughs) launched in that way but you know when you're not stuck in the trappings but you decide to step out and say hey let's talk about this thing right you end up getting, like you said, five or six hours. Like, I doubt you thought you were going to be there for five or six hours. That's amazing. But that's also, like you said, stepping out, finding that humanity and connecting with someone and with two people saying, hey, tell me about this. As opposed to, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people who are not of that mindset, right, would think, well, I, you know, might come at it like I know better. Or I'll just, I'll just like, I'll just Google this or there's gotta be like, I'm not going to talk to these people versus you making that approach. And I, that is, that is part of what, like you said, will help change us is starting, just starting conversations with people. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, it's one of those things where it's not like I could go out there and like walk around and just ignore the only other two people around me completely. (laughs) Right. Like there's no way to not make it awkward. So you might as well, he's the awkward part. That's like, Hey, what do you know about this place? Anyone I could talk to, you know, like, I don't know. And that's, but that's also how you find like adventure and, and how you, you uncover things and learn things. And, um, you know, that's like our, our sign off for the, the Q files is be weird, stay curious. And that, like, that's part of it, right? Like, just just go do it. Find out what you can find out. And I don't know, like, it, have fun. And like, like you were saying, everyone stays so trapped in their kind of, um, not not shells, but like in their beliefs or whatever. And it, it doesn't, it's not doing us any good at this point. Um, yeah. So I don't know, just, I, you might as well just go, go talk to a stranger. We'll be right back with more here on Night Drift, presented by Euphormat.
Follow Night Drift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes. Shudder is going all out this year. With the 61 Days of Halloween, a two-month celebration of their favorite season, featuring weekly original and exclusive movie premieres, including one of my favorite films of the year, from our friends at SpectreVision, H.P. Lovecraft's Color Out of Space, starring Nicolas Cage and featuring the return of the great director, Richard Stanley. Any Euphemet listeners who lay in bed, sleeplessly pondering the works of John Keel, have to watch this film as it's the perfect complement to any podcast featuring tales of the Mothman and other monsters. And you can see it now on Shudder. Try Shudder free for 30 days. Just go to Shudder.com and use promo code Euphemet. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com. Use the promo code Euphemet. You can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense for $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. And they have the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. You can watch the Halloween films. You can watch the breakthrough scary-as-hell film Host, the exclusive series The Deadlands, or A Discovery of Witches. Shudder is really a unique collection, and I kept finding new shows and films. It's been my creepy companion all quarantine long because you get unlimited access and stream ad free on all your favorite devices so i can watch on my laptop in the office or go out into the living room and watch it on apple tv and now you can try shutter for yourself try it for 30 days free and help support euphemet while you do it just go to shutter.com and use promo code euphemet s-h-u-d-d-e-r.com From the heart of Cascadia and the edge of the world, Euphemet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're also presenting the case for how important and how poignant boots on the ground investigation really is in this field. You know, you, you have to kind of like have the hands touch the earth. You have to go to these places and experience it because, you know, there's like a, there, there's like a different quality of being there and being in Point Pleasant and going to the TNT area and just simply reading about it in the Keel book. And I understand that not everyone has the sort of luxury or the ability or capacity to be able to do that. And for those individuals, I understand. Was it, was it a, a deliberate choice of yours to step away from sort of like printed material and books and actually go, you know what, like that's a drive away. I can just I'm just going to go there and talk to some strangers. Yeah, no, that was, that was I mean, that's very intentional. And something that I f- or I, we feel like we're uniquely positioned to do, um, we jokingly say, but then we've also heard it from other people after we started saying it, that Ohio is like the center of the paranormal universe. And if something... <laughs> might be. Well, like if something weird has happened, like it either happened here, it happened within, you know, five hours of here, or the people it happened to we're like from Ohio, from Ohio you know, right. or like live here now or something. And it's, it's always like that. You're the Kevin and, Bacon. of Yeah, seriously. And so I don't know. It, it just like, 
you know, you, you're reading a story or whatever, and you know, like the the main experiencer of this phenomenon, you're like, well, they only live an hour away. Like, what? Why don't we try to get an interview with them or something? Or like, why don't we go to the location? Yeah. And it, it just changes like how you approach it. And plus, like like I had said earlier, we didn't want to do just what everyone else was doing. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I don't need to tell you a story that you can read that you've already heard and you know, and like, unless I can add something to it or make it more interesting, like, it, it's kind of you're, like, why are you doing that? And, it, you know, it, it makes it so much better when you're either, you know, capturing our reactions um, to something or talking to someone else, um, just like providing a, an experience that isn't just reporting. Yeah. Uh, Lori, I'd love to bring you into this for a second, just to comment on the same thing. You know, uh, as someone who's had experience in researching, you know, sort of boots on the ground, uh, making a career out of it, what is the, how would you describe the importance of being out there and engaging with the strange directly? Yeah, and I think the perfect example of this is our, you know, our Lincoln Funeral Train um, episode. Um, you know, there is the Lincoln Funeral Train story, which is historically known, although a lot of people don't know it. There's a Columbus connection. There is the hauntings of the Lincoln Ghost Train that we can tell about. But we went out ourselves to try to find the ghost train. That was the difference. We could have just told those stories. And you know what? They probably would have been compelling enough because it's very interesting. But we went out there ourselves on that cold night on those dark tracks while the real trains were zooming by 10 feet away with recorders uh, to try to find the Lincoln Ghost Train ourselves. And I think that's a difference because I think there's an intimacy and I think the listener is there with you yes. uh, as we were you know, trying to, to figure out, uh, uh, you know, what was going on and, and, you know, all the kind of what we thought were sort of cosmic, you know, synchronicities we were seeing. And I think that's what really ends up being a compelling story. So, you know, giving the history, but tying it to, you know, a, a, our own experience, uh, I, I think is really when we do our best shows. Yeah, it's priceless. You from my listeners, you ne- if you haven't already listened to the Q Falls, you need to listen to this show. I'm telling you, if you like you, you. that, you're going to really enjoy this show because, again, you feel like you're really there. And within that is some sort of strange magic in itself. You know what I mean? There, there's some sort of quality to it that feels uh, special. Like there's some sort of energy there, and. The topics, again, that you bring up are, are so interesting and are so many things that I haven't ever heard of before. Uh, one of these things is also, for example, like a supernatural horse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that I don't even, I don't know. There was, there was some story that, that was like part of that, like this, this idea of a psychic horse or whatever, but it was apparently like an, an actual thing, like a historic phenomenon, okay, where there was all of these like... <laughs> <laughs> supernatural psychic horses and i mean i don't know i think it just it, i mean if i'm being totally honest i think it was just a you know a, a total roadside attraction um kind of thing i don't know how you trained an animal to do that because i would be interested in like a psychic dog or something sure. right but um i don't know like it, it was just a it was a a fun story i don't know we both liked it and we were like i don't maybe other people will like it <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Well, it's so funny and it fits because I think on the way or before John Keel went to investigate the Mothman appearances, he was writing an article for Playboy at the time about a cat with special abilities, I believe. You know, so yeah. that was sort of the harbinger. This this powerful animal was the harbinger for, for something else. It was a cat with wings, and I think the wings were pasted onto the poor thing, I think is what it is. You can <laughs> correct me, you've met listeners, if you want. Lucy in the chat has said uh, she subscribed tonight. Oh, awesome. Thank, Thank you. That, uh, our listener, Catherine, says German Thank village you. hotspot Thank you. for the paranormal. Can you talk a little bit about German, German village, where, where you live as a hotspot, and uh, what is some of the history with that place? Yeah, um, so it's a, if you're looking at a map, like Columbus is kind of the, basically the center of Ohio. I live on the, the south side of um, the city of Columbus, and it's, it's one of the oldest neighborhoods here, and I mean, it's literally like its name. It was a German neighborhood, um, but really what's like historically significant about it is that it maintains a lot of um, the brick. So like most of the buildings are still the, the, the brick structures that were there. Um, the, the roads are still brick. Um, the, frankly, the sidewalks are still like a hundred thousand years old. Um, but I think, I think they get away from, or get out of following the, the update policy because they're historically significant sure. or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, but the classic, right. We're not going to fix this infrastructure. It's historic. It's, it's historic. It adds the charm and like the broken ankle count. Um, <laughs> But it's, um, but it's part of that. So there's all these old buildings, these, these, these just like structures that have been here for over 100 years, 150 years, right? Um, and as part of our, it was our, like the, the little Christmas episode, which was horrific to listen to. I cannot recommend anyone listen to that because it was so windy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but we, you know, there's this, our, our friend Bucky Cut, right? Does this, this tour around Columbus that does like, like ghost stops and um so we have like the the book loft which is like it's, i think it's 32 rooms but like it, it's haunted and you know it, and it's haunted because like the lady who lived there or whatever um you know in 1870 you know like had a tragic death and just stayed there and now it's a bookstore or like just the um there's like a few mansions that have you know suicides or just whatever just it's kind of like the the typical like urban ghost story stuff that you find right. but it looks it looks kind of cooler because it's all really old looking sure right is it important for you to surround yourself in that sort of environment that sort of ambience to continue to inspire you to sort of look into the strange because i i do know a lot of not just investigators but enthusiasts of this stuff that will say, well, I want to live in Salem, Massachusetts, just because I like that vibe. It makes me feel good. I'm into that. Is there anything like sort of energy wise or just inspiration wise that you get from being in a place like German village? Uh, you know, maybe, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that, but maybe that is like part of why I'm, I'm drawn here. Just like the, the, the visible history of the place. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, like living in Salem, like how cool would that be? Or just living in this really old like Victorian mansion and and getting to live your like Adams family, um, like cosplay life or something. And I would <laughs> totally be into that. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think I get it. And I do think it does kind of 
this this neighborhood in particular, like it, it's it's a little quieter, um, and there's there's more greenery and stuff, and there's there's this you know huge old historic park at the end of my street, and there, there's there's opportunity to kind of feel like you're outside of the city while you're still in it. Yeah, and that's like the perfect combo. Uh, I do want to clarify real quick that. I was joking about the cat with the wings and I, it seemed like I was being a little cynical to pets and animals that may possess powers when anyone who's been following these night drifts in particular know that conversely, I'm a big believer in animals having distinct powers. And I felt real bad because I saw Lori's little dog and then my cat came in and just kind of stared at me. So I just wanted to write that ship right away and let everybody know animals... We know, you. we know you're an animal ally there, Jim. We know, we know. <laughs> thank, thank pork, you. pork chop, pork chop just wanted to get, get, get a view at you. So okay. <laughs> I feel like Jim is apologizing more to the animals than to the people <laughs> on, this, totally. on this call. I feel like totally. he's like pork chop, like, especially since his cat came in and was like, what was that? Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> mm. Yeah. She, you yeah, know, she doesn't mess around. Shane and Lori, I had a question in regards to your legalistic kind of filter. How does that come into play with paranormal investigation and the kinds of stories that you're drawn to? Or is that something where it's like, that is professional life. We're not going to worry about that now. Over here is time for play. Um, I, I, I think we would use anything we could find. I don't care. What the, if it's a good story, we're going to tell it. It doesn't matter where we got it. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like, I, I think it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily like change the way we approach stories or like the, what we would be willing to tell stories. If anything, I think it, it's opened our eyes to kind of be more analytical when we're, um, like exploring different phenomena, like we're 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 trying we're like toying with the idea of training ourselves to be able to use telepathy, and you know you kind of ha- like Lori found an amazing book on it, and you know it's like the idea of walking through it, and and while it's not like legal, it's like the logical steps that you need to create a, I guess case somewhat. A case. Yeah, like <laughs> a, a case, but like some kind of like experiment, right? So you're tr- you're trying to figure it out. Um, I don't know, in just, in just a, a more logical way. And I think that's probably influenced things more than, than anything else. Well, and but, I think that just so you know, we're, we're not above a hoodoo spell for a Supreme Court decision. Um, I am uh, so yeah. happy to hear that, by the way. I just love that Shane's like... And, and the story behind that is, so we created the spell here. I took it to Washington. I was actually in Washington anyway. I took it to Washington. Wow. Washington, the trick with this spell was you had to deliver it to the place. So I get to the Supreme Court steps. It's a little packet about this big. I made it, scrunch it down, but I had to get through the airport and everything and was hiding it in my pocket. um, It's got butterfly wings and John the Conqueror root and, you know, everything in it. And I had to get, so I I go to the Supreme Court. I'm at the steps thinking, how am I going to deliver this? Little did I remember, it was 9-11 that day. So there was like thousands of cops. So I knew that if I went up and dropped off this strange package on the steps of the Supreme Court, I was going to jail or be disappeared for a long time. So we just literally, I went, there's a little, there's just right across from the Supreme Court, there's some chairs. And uh, if you, there's a great, and if you drop it in there, actually the current of the Potomac will take it under the Supreme Court. 
So I dropped it in there, presuming it would go underneath the Supreme Court. And, you know, we actually know, uh, 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 as Shane and I know, Jim Obergefell um, uh, from the Supreme Court decision. And we haven't yet told him yet that it's really us that <laughs> changed marriage equality. I love that so much. And for me, I'm like... I don't think you all understand all of the things that were at a play in the in the marriage equality Supreme Court decision. <laughs> That's right. This is good. I'm I'm excited about this. And you know, it's these little hidden histories that we have to learn about. But I think, you know, Shane, back to your point about like analytic mind, I think it's really important when you're investigating, right? And when you're learning about these stories and you're learning about this history, because I think one of the things that Boots on the Ground does is it also changes the power dynamic in the narrative because of the fact that you've got the written accounts or the accounts we've all heard, right? Um, And, you know, you you bring up Lincoln Ghost Train and all I think about is how many times Abraham Lincoln was re-embalmed while he was taken across the country because that's my death scholar brain, right? But, (laughs) But at the same time, like when you're there and you're, putting in your own experiences and filling in silences. And especially as we were talking about earlier, the experiences of LGBTIA folks who may not have had a voice in these things. Right. But now here are other people that identify as queer and identify in these different ways coming in and saying, but this is my experience. And these are these other parts of the history. So in a sense, instead of it any longer being top down history, as we call it, You start to make that history bottom up. And I think that is such an important thing about the work that you're doing. Yeah. And I mean, I don't really have anything to add to that. Thank you. Um, (laughs) But no, I I think it's, that's, that's like the underlying point of what we're, 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 we're trying to do is just to, to share stories that are, um, not well known or to tell stories that might be well known in a way that is different and unique, um, but engaging. And I think we, we did that well with the, the, the Lincoln funeral train, uh, mostly just because we could go, we could go do it, right? Like it went through here and we could go and, you know, it's probably not the same tracks. I can't imagine they would be the same tracks, but like it's in the same approximate place. And it's just, I don't know. There was, it, I think it somewhat comes through in the episode, but there was something like actually magical about being out there and doing that. And and we talk about it that like, it's, I mean, it, it's kind of become a little bit cliche now, I guess, or like a buzzword now, but like you could feel the phenomena, like you could feel it. Like there was something happening and, you know, we, we didn't really like capture anything that was like reportable. Right. But the, like the energy changed, but it's not like the energy in a room changing. It's the energy in like, the, the the outdoors, this wide right. expanse, and it was just different. I don't know. Yeah. No, I understand that. I think mm-hmm. a lot of folks listening to this right now have had an experience in that way. Um and it's it's powerful and and it's also, you know, uh for those of us out, you know, I'm not investigating by any means. I'm just sort of telling stories, but being tangentially involved in investigations, it's also a little bit addicting. Right. Oh, because, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> listen, any any inv- investigator or folks that are that like that don't tell you or that tell you that they don't um, they don't get scared or like they don't like being scared. You know, there is a little bit of that factor that it kind of feels 
it feels a little nice to be a little scared sometimes. It's a little oh, no, there's, there's there's like an adrenaline rush. Um, I was actually just telling Lori this the other night that it's like I feel like I'm kind of bored with ghost hunting, but I think really what it is is that I haven't been scared while ghost hunting in a long time. <laughs> you kind of like like it's it's fine. Like not every time you go into a, a strange building in the middle of the night and it's dark is scary. Right. Other times you're just like I can't wait to leave because this is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, but that's, that's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we have a question from our listener, Jay. What aspects of queer spirituality or mythos have shaped your research or pursuits? Interesting. Um, probably not much, um, for me at least. Um, Lori probably has a, a totally different answer for that. I actually came out like significantly later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was, I was 27. And, um, I, you know, I, part of what really got me engaged in kind of doing, um, stuff with like queer history was that I was learning anyway and finding it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like what it was shaping, I, I didn't, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, outside, like the, the general, I guess, like underlying premise of, um, what we try to do is the idea of kind of creating a safe space where, um, stories can be told, but that really comes from or stems from the idea of a safe space so you can like be your authentic self and so you can come out and um, have these like real conversations. But when you take that out of like the queer context and just apply it to, to other people, it, it allows you to have authentic conversations yeah. and, um, you know, lead to kind of revelations and stuff. Um, so I think that's probably the way that it's, it's most kind of influenced it or shaped it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wonder what is next for the Q files and what is next for your projects together, uh, knowing now that, of course, a lot of us are, you know, grounded, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, uh, have you um, sort of safely been able to not let that detour you too much? Have you still been finding strange places in the Ohio area or how has that affected your project and your pursuits right now so um it actually because we were doing this towards the end on very much like an every two-week basis there was like we it was it was coming out like fresh right um we kind of continued that through the the summer um with what we were discussing but it's really kind of captured the like the mood of the world right now where what we had planned to do and discussed is really just kind of blending into um kind of this idea that people are trapped at home and, you know, we, we need to start building community and start like accepting this as maybe not this huge revelation, this like changing of the world type thing, mm-hmm. but this idea that we could use it as an opportunity to change our lives and to experience the world differently. And so we're, we're doing that. Like it, season two is going to be focused on um, more of like a community aspect and the things that re- revolve around community and um, the different pieces of that and how those have paranormal connections. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. I'm going to bring yeah, on a some of the, I was going to say just some of the oh, things please, yeah. we want to do to just to, going back to animals, you know, we're all spending so much time with our animals. And again, um, there's uh, several episodes that we would like to do about animals. And one of the things we're trying to arrange, but quite get, can't get permission for yet is we want to do a ghost hunt at a slaughterhouse, oh. um, uh, oh. with animals and start really digging into, 
communicating with animals and animal spirits and things like that. So just, just again, expanding that notion of um, what that is. And, you know, we're all at home with our animals and our pets and, and, you know, those bonds that are developed. And I think we'll see two or three episodes in particular that deal particularly with animal and animal spirits. So that's very exciting. But we've just got to find a slaughterhouse that's going to let us ghost hunt. And that hasn't been that easy. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine, yeah, sort of a secretive bunch sometimes. I'm bringing Catherine on a listener. Uh, Catherine, where are you calling from? Well, I'm in Massachusetts right now, but I spent 20 years living in Ohio. So um, in Columbus. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I'm very familiar with German Village, and in fact, there's this great bookstore there that when you walk in that place, you feel like you're, it's the one that's multi-level and all these different rooms. The the, the book loft. Yeah, the book loft, and you feel like you're you're walking into a different um, place. You have like a different time period when you walk in there because it's just so, there's something magical or... Mm-hmm. um about that place to me at least and oh, no. i yeah it's like I, it's like sorry it's like a maze when you walk in there's there's yeah. 30 some rooms and none of it makes sense because the the floors to the building aren't all um like at the on the the same level so you kind of like you're going upstairs but it's only three steps and then you go around a corner and you have to go down four but you're still on the same floor it's it's weird <laughs> <laughs> My my theory about Ohio is that it's the geographical location is why there's so much stuff that happens there because the, the, the place when you go from like down near Cincinnati all the way up to Cleveland, it's completely different vibe mm-hmm. from one end of the state to another. And the weather is, the climate is it's totally different up in um, the Cleveland area as compared to like down in Cincinnati. And one of the things that um, I had had a conversation with a guy, um, a, a native a guy who was part Native American, who had studied a lot of the the history of the area and things that were going on. And um, the Native Americans, uh, you know, one of the reasons why it's they theorized that Serpent Mound is there is because of the energy that is create has been created in Ohio by the geography there and the different, you know, landscaping stuff. Um, but, but that was just a comment I wanted to make on Ohio just from 20 years of living there and kind of <laughs> running around in the different parts of it. But right. um, I, I just wanted to say that I'm really, um, I haven't lis- listened to the Q files yet, but I really want to listen to this because one of the things that I, I do, um, part of my thing is that I communicate with those that have passed on, you know, that I've, and I walk into places and sometimes I get a vibe or information. Mm. And one of the things that I would like to do is be able to go in there, uh, you know, and get stories of people that are in those places instead of just being there to sort of get the you know, like you see on TV in those shows, um, you know, to just see that there's, you know, paranormal stuff going on there is to just get the stories of people 
And one of my things has always been that um, a lot of uh, queer people were sent to um, insane asylums back in the 19th century, and a lot of them died there and were abused there. And, you know, it's, I, I think if they, I sometimes feel if they can get recognition, you know, for who they were and where they were, that, um, you know, that they existed and they were who they were, you know, and that they shouldn't feel shame for who they are, that it might be more peaceful for them to move on, you know, um, and I just, I like the idea that you guys are exploring this from another, you know, from that standpoint and, you know, sort of looking at all the stories instead of the stories that it's conventionally okay to look at, you know? Yeah. Um, no, and I think that's, um, that's, I guess that's part of like what we're, what we're trying to do, right. It's just, just, just to tell these stories that ha- hadn't been told, um, that, that had been overlooked. And while we don't really do any kind of the, the ghost hunter stuff where there's like moving on and stuff, I think there's just something validating, um, to whatever these entities are, um, to finally being able to converse in a way that expresses their authentic, their authentic self. And, um, you know, if that provides peace or if it doesn't, or if whatever these entities are, just think we're all nuts. Um, and they're just like playing along with what we're doing. That's fine. (laughs) Um, like I have some theories about, you know, like entities aren't ghosts. Maybe they're just like thought forms. So that's why we find queer ghosts when we're looking for them. Um, Interesting. But I also have we well we have a, a great story about the serpent mound that you, that you brought that up. Um, I, I think we're probably going to try to to cover that this this um, the second season in particular. Um, but there's this there's this like long lost story of the serpent mound actually being part of the Garden of Eden, and um, that the the egg that's yep. in its mouth is actually um, a pawpaw which is North America's largest um, like indigenous fruit um, rather than um, like it, w- it wouldn't be the apple, right. And the, in the classic, um, the classic story of the garden of Eden. So it would be a, a pawpaw and this, the serpent and the garden of Eden is actually in Ohio. I've heard that story before. In fact, uh, um, one of the other theories that I've heard about it is that it's also like an entry it's like an entry point for, um, you know, spiritual where you can go there and you can kind of like connect with the universe Mm -hmm. and you can, um, where you can get that you can, um, it's a, it's a place where energy is focused, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't know, you know, really offhand or if anyone really knows kind of the traditional use of, of the, the mounds um, outside of like, like, burial practices or, or whatever. Um, but I'm assuming there's just been a lot of um, historical interest in the space and a lot of energy focused on the space. And I think, you know, going there now and visiting it respectfully could probably produce a, a magical experience for someone. Yeah. And I do want to say to Catherine too, um, if you listen and start listening or sub, we have a episode called a place to hide. And it was a first seance we did with an entity we've been connecting with for over like two to three years. We met in a convent in Toledo. And just what you were saying about telling the stories and letting them be their authentic self, 
That is exactly what we tried to do with Madeline, and it's been a three-year journey. Um, actually, the first season of Queer Ghost Hunter was dedicated to this Madeline story, but Shane and I, on the 100th death anniversary, for 100th death anniversary, we had a seance wow. and tried to bring, uh, we brought a medium and tried to bring sort of closure to all this, and that is the episode called A Place to Hide. You might really enjoy that. Yes, I'd, I'd love to listen to that. Um because that's the kind of thing, you know, I'm interested in is just going and communing mm -hmm. rather than going there just to prove something, which is what I feel some people have do. Right. Um, absolutely. Yeah, and I absolutely. did want to say about Serpent Mound, I think the latest, um, the latest thing on it that his, the historians and some of these, an anthropologist are saying is they think it's like some kind of astrological thing. Um, but the thing about it is, is that, or uh, astronomical, I guess, but the thing about it is, is that, um, I think we're finding that science and spirituality have a lot in common. It seems to me that's the current, uh, wisdom. Sure. And, um, that's what I felt about spirit and Nand is that it was some sort of spiritual place where you could go and, 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 um, you know, connect with the great beyond. Yeah. 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 And it, it certainly there, there seems to be the convergence of science and spirit. And thank you so much, Catherine, for joining the conversation and, and uh, giving us your insight into Ohio as well. Um, well, you know, I, Ohio is, is interesting. It's a place where I had to keep going back to while taping these you've met episodes <laughs> i never thought i'd go there maybe once and then i started looking around and i noticed that a lot of my best friends out here on the west coast are from ohio and i said what is going mm. like what's going on with this place there there's a magic there there's a strange magic and now there i have is. new friends there and i can't <laughs> wait to come back to ohio for more documentary euphemet episodes it's going to be great darcy uh please would you uh i'd love for you to close it out with any other last uh questions or comments for for shane and Lori. you know one thing that i was thinking about and you know we've talked about some of these traditional haunted places and maybe the queer history that exists there but have you all found in your investigating or in the things that you're interested in that maybe uh, there's a place that you really understand the, you understood the queer history of in a very major way. And that has a pretty common understanding in the queer community as being a, a, a space for queer identity that maybe the historians or the keepers of such spaces were very out of tune with. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, I don't, I can't think of any like particular location. I think, Maybe Brindu, um, which is in Granville, uh, has it has the best potential to be like if if we were ever ever able to actually kind of prove on paper what we think, um, it would rewrite the history of the location. And um, you know, it's that this the the entity that has reached out to us both times that we've been there. Um, at first, we thought like it, we were getting some like lesbian vibes from her. And then it was like the, the second time we went, Lori and I, we, ha we did an Estes Method session and, and she said it. And it was just like, it was Lori and I sitting there and like after, so we had a group one and then Lori and I did it. But both times it was just this like 
insane experience where like you know the the person the 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 receiver person they can't hear you asking the the questions and they're like in real time responding and it's like holy shit like this is everything that we were looking for before like oh my god and it was just it was just really great and um but yeah a lot of people just kind of believe that she had um like roommates and um just friends stayed with her often um you know and it's like no there's probably a significant chunk more to that story um that probably told and the cool thing that happened is so we're all with this group shane and i break off we go up there now sally's bedroom this is the entity we've been connecting with a couple of times uh her bedroom is locked in off limits to visitors we don't really know why. They said the floor was caving in, okay? Well, Shane and I go up there. We see a key hidden with a magnet on the back of the radiator, and we put it in, and it's the key to Sally's bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> we're never so going to be allowed so back the, there now. The synchronicity of that and that we were allowed, and we went in. There was nothing wrong with the floor. There was nothing wrong with anything, and we got our kind of best Estes method session, you know, right there in, you know, next to Sally's bedroom. Wow. I love it. That's, that's gorilla style. I love it. <laughs> but I, I love the idea, Lori, like you bring up, like no one else is allowed there. Oh, but we're allowed in because we know the key. And that is well, like a beautiful synchronicity right there. And it is a synchronicity because one of the things we talk about, one of the reasons in one of the, the sort of uh, foundational aspects of queer ghost hunters is that we believe the queer ghosts will share with us because of shared experience, mm-hmm. shared experience. Why would a queer ghost necessarily share themselves again, creating that safe space? You know, we really believe that that, maybe that key was made obvious to us. You know, this, we had, they know this was a shared experience. She knew it was a shared experience and she knew it was safe with us. So all of a sudden Shane and I find this key. It was pretty uh, phenomenal. And I think it goes back to that shared experience and now being willing to tell somebody you feel safe with because they too have had many of the same experiences that you have. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. It's it's so pointed. It's so needed right now uh, in the year 2020 and beyond. And I want to thank you folks for all being on the show tonight. And I hope this is the first of many interactions and hangouts. And one day I'd like to meet Pork Chop in person and, and <laughs> say hey. on that porch and say hey, <laughs> say hello, Pork Chop. <laughs> And, she uh, hates cameras. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, patrons, for being a part of this. Your support during this time is so incredibly appreciated from not just me, but all the other creators and podcasters and artists that are out there, uh, perhaps many of you in this list right now, and many of you that will be listening later on are artists and you know have your own patrons as well. And so I, I think in this time of us coming together and breaking bread and and building a even stronger community around these things. It's just, um, it's just so appreciated. I, you know, sort of don't even have words for words fail me in uh, reply to how grateful I am for you folks and uh, how you allow me to continue doing this work, even in a very strange fashion in a way that I did not predict ever by doing this bonus show, but I'm glad it created an opportunity for us to get to know uh, each other much better 
and uh, to have these experiences. And Darcy, thank you so much for being my guest co-host tonight. As You're always, so it, it's great to have your voice a part of this program and it's become a, a very important part of this program. So I appreciate that. And everyone go and uh, subscribe to the Q Files podcast. Also watch uh, the Queer Ghost Hunters um, online on YouTube. You can find that. Uh, you can subscribe to the Q Files podcast by just going to, if you're listening to the podcast, going to the show notes, you'll find a link there. Uh, so please go and follow those folks. Subscribe, rate, and review. I'm sure that'll be very helpful. Shane and Lori, thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, have a great night over in Strange, Ohio, and we'll talk to you, you soon. Yes, thanks, thanks so much. Take care, everybody. Love you. Bye-bye. Cheers. And that's tonight's show. We'll be back tomorrow and Thursday with new Night Drift episodes leading up to a brand new Euphemet feature on Friday. All during this week of Halloween brought to you by Shudder. Thank you again to our guests, Shane McClellan, Lori Gum, and my co-host, Darcy Staniforth. For more of their work, check out the show notes. To be a part of our next live Zoom interview, join us on patreon.com slash euphemet. Remember, subscribe to Night Drift's new feed wherever you listen to podcasts. For everything Night Drift and Euphemet, merch and links to our social media, visit euphemet.com. Thank you so much for listening. This is Jim Perry, and until next time, keep looking up. Follow the show on social media at euphemet, E-U-P-H-O-M-E-T.